Welcome to Energy Insights with Kathy and Laura. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Energy Insights Podcast Hello. with Kathy and Laura. We are so excited to be here to share with you today another exciting rendition of our wanderings, musings, thinkings about the Reiki world, the energy world, and the world at large. Mm. I am Laura West, owner of Divine Lotus Healing. You can find me on the internet through my website, divinelotushealing.com. I'm a Reiki master teacher and also a psychic medium and channel for the divine since birth, and a trained herbalist. And I offer all kinds of fun things through my big website. And I'm Kathy Hughes. I am a Reiki master, a massage therapist, and an intuitive. Um, I can be found at my website at um, kathyhughesrmt.com. I also have a blog um, that has lots of fun reading on it. Um, to start off the episode today, we are going to do a couple of plugs for our exciting things that are coming up, and then we'll dive into our main topic, which is what is Reiki? So, Laura, what have you got going on? Okay. <laughs> well, I was thinking about all the stuff that's been happening this summer, and I think that by the time this podcast oh, is published, this it. is going to be finished in my life, but one big thing that I've just been feeling so much gratitude for lately is um, the Scouts Honored Awards of mm. 2015. Oh, yeah. My business has been nominated as a finalist in the best wellness practice in Cambridge, and it's just astounding to me because... This, I don't know if everybody knows, but this is not my full-time career. It will be someday, but this is a secondary career for me, and I have a rental space in my office in Cambridge one day a week, and so to be up for some kind of award like this, it's silly, it's fun, it really means nothing except people are showing gratitude, and that's good enough, but it just makes me feel like uh, humbled and awed that my tiny little practice could potentially be the recipient of some nice kudos. And the city of Cambridge is a big, bustling yeah. place, and there's lots of amazing stuff going on. And I had the opportunity to check out the other three nominees in my category, and they're all amazing businesses. So mm-hmm. so by the time this podcast is um, aired, I think the voting will have finished. So yeah. I, this is something else I want to say. Whatever the results are, it doesn't matter to me. I have non-attachment to the outcome of whether I quote-unquote win mm-hmm. or n- don't win. I just am enjoying the process of resting in gratitude for the love and appreciation and support that everybody has been showing through voting, but also it in turn is creating more love and gratitude mm-hmm. and appreciation within me for everybody that I've ever come across through yeah. the practice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I know. I was saying don't say it, not don't say the Scouts Honor, but summer will, like, by the time this podcast is over, <laughs> it'll be, like, three-fourths of the way over, potentially. I don't know. It's just, I'm not ready to say goodbye to summer, because I haven't yet had a summer. We're in the middle of it. Yes. There we go. It's frightening. It's too fast. Too fast. So tell us um, about your amazing yes, plug. I think this yeah. is so cool. Oh, good. So I am starting, um, in September, I'm going to be starting the Arlington Tarot Salon, um, which I'm very excited about. This has been something that I've been wanting to do for quite some time now. Um, and basically, when I was learning tarot back in 1997, I was really desperate for people to practice on um, that I didn't know. It's very hard to find people that you don't know to read tarot to and you don't want to tell tell strangers or you don't want to charge people either and be like, I'll read tarot for you. 
So, um, so this is, I wanted to give other people the opportunity to learn through that vehicle. And um, it's for all level, levels of tarot readers. So you can be experienced, you can have no experience at all. And um, in each class, it'll be a monthly class, um, we'll do some learning and then practice reading for each other. So I'm really excited about that. And I think I'm also going to be doing a beginner tarot class um, as part of kind of my tarot education um, for more excuse me for more information you can visit my website I have a classes page up there and um, it tells you about the tarot salon so that is what's on the works for me I'm so excited yeah. about that I might try and come I know nothing oh, I about tarot I mean it's I know my so... intuitive when I pull cards for myself I know what they mean for me but right. it has no basis in any founding knowledge of any kind so that's I would how love I to started. learn <laughs> yeah no it's so fascinating and everything you learn just enriches like you know when you learn what different things mean it just it, it kind of enhances and confirms your intuition which has been really exciting for me it's one of my favorite things and I love I almost love teaching Tara more than reading it so I'm really excited to very cool to do that yeah definitely well much success will come to you I hope so <laughs> <laughs> And now we're off to the main topic, which I like to call, what is Reiki anyway? Um, just because it's like, what is Reiki anyway? Um, and this is, I, I'm just going to start off by saying, when people ask me what Reiki is, and I'd love to hear what you say too, um, Laura, but when people ask me what Reiki is, I just say, oh, it's, it's a type of energy work. And I kind of leave it at that, or I might go like, it's really relaxing, but I feel like it's such a huge topic that the easiest, like the simplest answer is sometimes the easiest to put across there. But it is, it is so, so much more than that. What do you say? I say something along the same lines. I keep it short and simple. Mm -hmm. I say that it's a hands-on healing energy technique from Japan that helps people feel better, relax, and also potentially heal big things in their lives mm -hmm. like broken bones or emotional states. And if people want to experience it, I'd be happy to put my hands on their shoulders for just a minute to let them feel what it feels like. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is an interesting opportunity for us to dive more deeply into picking apart the essence of what Reiki really is through our podcast format. We have a dedicated amount of time to do this, mm -hmm. and I would love to hear what you have to say oh, about this. Oh, goodness, me? Yes. Well, the thing is, I, we, when we learn about Reiki in classes, there's a whole kit and caboodle of stuff that comes along with learning about Reiki. That people, I think, for the most part, and maybe this is a little bit of a, um, a lumping together of learning styles, but for the most part, I think people just sort of take, oh, Reiki is a hands-on healing energy yes. modality at face value, and in the moment while they're learning all the other stuff that comes along with the content knowledge of the concept of Reiki, um, they take that in they take it for granted, they put it to the side, and then they forget about it. Mm -hmm. And it's not until we start getting more deeply into our own perhaps self-practice or practice with others that we start to question it because we start having experiences or maybe a loved one says, I mean, this has certainly happened in my life, where loved ones have said, okay, I understand that, but really, like, what is it? What do you mean by that? And it really stopped me in my tracks when I was first being asked those kinds of questions because it was calling me to the mat in a way that made me really question what is it that I believe to be my truth about this thing that I so intimately work with in my personal life and in my professional practice with people 
And it made me start really questioning and pulling apart the finer threads of what Reiki really is. And of course, this is a huge can of worms. Like we're opening, I feel like we're opening Pandora's box yeah. in a way by going here. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's nice to go here. And Absolutely. I want to commit ahead of time to saying to you that my thoughts that I've prepared for our discussion of this are not necessarily an end-all be-all. They're not necessarily the right way to think about it. I'm not trying to convince you or anybody else that my viewpoints or what I'm about to share are the correct understanding. And I have a suspicion that if we were to have the same conversation in 15 years or in 50 years, my answers might be different. So I think it's okay for us to say we're in flow, we're in flux, this is just what we're thin slicing for this particular moment of our lives and making sense of at this time. Does that feel okay? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, this is about explore. The podcast itself is about exploring topics, not saying, not really necessarily giving answers, answers. so much. Right. And I think that's really important, especially when it comes to something as subjective as Reiki really is. And in preparing for this, you know, I was thinking like, what is Reiki? And you know, I did some like free writing, and you know. Um, thinking about it and it's really the thing that is so hard is it is such an intimate personal thing and it's like how this sounds how it sounds but it's like what is love you know what I mean like how do you explain love to somebody right like that's really hard and it's different to different people and I feel like describing Reiki is so similar um but for me it, it it's about like so there is a lot of thought. I think there's like what Reiki is to people who are attuned also, and then what Reiki is to people who are receiving it and who aren't attuned. Because my experience of what Reiki is completely shifted after I was attuned. Um, so what Reiki is to people who are experiencing it, I think in a lot of cases it's just the benefits that you experience from getting Reiki and that becomes what Reiki is to a person. And so I think a lot of times, like I'll explain, like it's very relaxing, it can help you with emotional problems and to remove emotional blockages, it helps with healing and healing and things like that. Um, Whereas for me, being attuned and being a Reiki practitioner, Reiki is the way that I express compassion through my hands. Like it's really, and it's like it's it's a it's like a it's like a beautiful, warm way that I can express how I feel with my hands. That isn't massage. Like massage is like that too, but it's so physical. Um, and and Reiki is so much subtler. So I feel like it's almost more accurate because you really like as far as a more accurate way to express compassion and empathy than massage because there's too much technique involved in massage and too much knowing the body but with Reiki it's just it's just pure it just comes out of you and flows from you so that's kind of really the basic and like I have a hard time defining things like this too because I don't want to set limitations on it as well like I believe Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about like you know not labeling things or how labeling things kind of steals that thing from you and I feel like Reiki nobody could steal anything from Reiki as such a force of its own but just for your own personal experience like to to keep it as untethered to a, a um to a to an idea as possible is is pretty important to me, which is part of the reason I think that I stay away from the Reiki lineages and the and the real mm. like political side of Reiki because to me it has nothing nothing to do with that mm-hmm. for me personally. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference for you in your definition of Reiki 
with your intimate, personal, private practice versus a practice of laying hands on a client, let's say? I mean, I think inevitably there would be because, like, Reiki in my personal life, it's, it is it is a part of who I am. So when I'm doing stuff for myself or, like, when Reiki is a part of my life and I'm using it as a part of my life, it's, like, it's about keeping me grounded and keeping me flowing and in touch with myself and, and keeping me in touch with the things that are important with me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, versus when I'm working on a client, it's about just being of service to them and, and being with them and present with them. So there's kind of that abiding sense in both of those things, which is Reiki. But I think because it's inside of me, the way it interacts in my personal life is much different than it, the way it would with other people. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. Yeah. How about you? What are your thoughts? Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so I have to just put a little asterisk mm -hmm. up here and say that for people who don't know about the other aspect of my life, I am a teacher by trade. That is my avatar in this lifetime. I've been an educator for 15 years in both the private and public sector, so... When I think about answering a question like this, I think of it in two lenses. My personal answer for my spiritual private life and also my official public answer that mm -hmm. tries to make sense of something that is almost incomprehensible. So when I was thinking about preparing my spiel, I immediately turned to my academic nature and I wanted to look back at what others who have come before us have said about it. I was stuck for a while on trying to reinvent the wheel and trying to come up with my own definition in a way that makes sense of it, but yet, like you were saying with Thich Nhat Hanh, it's very limiting yeah. because it tries to define something and put something in a box, and there's components when we put language around this, um, this construct of understanding that are limiting in mm -hmm. some ways, p partially because of our... English language that we're speaking, but also partially because of my lens of understanding about the way I relate to the world, I'm just going to automatically omit some other ways of being because of how I relate. Right. Not by fault, just because of the way that it is. Um, so there were a couple of books that I was drawn to when I was thinking about this, and one of them actually was um, uh, Pamela Miles' book, Reiki, A Comprehensive Guide. She's out of New York City. And in her book, she talks a lot about the practicalities of not describing Reiki to people and mm. not telling them what it is, but more so inviting them to experience it yeah. so they can have an understanding through their body knowledge. Mm. Or if people are not comfortable with receiving touch and feeling the physical aspect of what Reiki feels like, to tell anecdotal stories of how it has helped other people heal or progress or move forward. That was a very freeing understanding of what Reiki was to me when I was first picking apart my definition of what do I, how would I describe Reiki to somebody who's never heard of it before. Rather than trying to get the quote-unquote right definitive answer that's right. neatly tied in a bow to tell somebody, I didn't have to put all that pressure on myself. I could just say to someone, well, I'm not really sure how I would describe it to you, so why don't I show you instead? Yeah. Do you feel the, your low back with my hand touching you? What do you notice going on there for you? And then that would open a conversation with people. Mm. Or do you feel my hand on your shoulder now? What are you experiencing when my hand is resting on you? Just become aware of what you're noticing mm -hmm. and letting people make the definition of what was going on for them themselves. Yeah. Okay, so that was one thing that I researched and drew upon. And then... 
There was a couple of other texts that over the years I have found really valuable that I wanted to bring up. Um, there's a Japanese master teacher in uh, Japan, obviously. His name is Hiroshi Doi, and we won't, I'm not going to talk about his lineage and where he comes from, but the only thing I'll say is um, he teaches a kind of Reiki called Gendai Reiki Ho, which is just a lineage form. Can you explain what you mean when you say lineage in case people don't know? So, for example, there's Western Reiki, there's Japanese Reiki, there's Tibetan Reiki, there's... So is it like a source thing? It's like, like when a, you think of a lineage, I feel like you think of like a, a line of. I'm sorry, am I? No, no, no. Okay. Go ahead. That's good clarifying. Yeah. What's your, I'm not sure. So what like, your question you're, is. like, is it like, like it, I think of like a lineage of people, like a like a genealogy almost, or like. Right. You okay. Know. I'm using the word lineage in this reference to mean the the Reiki knowledge that was passed down from person to person mm-hmm. to person to person before him, mm-hmm. and it came to him. Does that make sense? Yes, perfect. Thank you. So um, he's a member of the Usui Reiki Ryoho Gakai, which is the original Reiki society in Japan, and it's been preserving Usui Sensei's teachings since 1922. So he has a very different understanding, let's just say, of what Reiki is and how it affects the body, because he lives in Japan where they understand energy work differently than somebody who wrote a book from the West. I won't name any names in particular because I don't. There's nobody that's coming to mind. But I also don't want to put Western and Japanese Reiki against each other. Um, but anyway, in one of the quotes that came out of this book that I really liked was when he said, "Usui Sensei said, everything that exists in the universe possesses Reiki." And then he goes on to say. Reiki is the universal energy, the source of all existence, the heido, meaning the wave, the motion, or the vibration, of love and the pure light that comes from a higher dimension. And love and light were both capitalized. Mm. So he's talking about Reiki coming from that spiritual connectedness place Mm. in this world that everybody has access to tapping into, Mm. which I think is so beautiful. So So open-ended, so vague, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but so beautiful. Right, And then the other source that I turned to when I was looking at trying to make sense of Reiki was my one of my senseis, our Java sensei. In his book, This is Reiki, he has a lovely explanation of the Reiki kanji, and I'm referring to the Reiki kanji as written in Japanese, not the Reiki kanji that is most commonly seen here in the West. So please forgive me to you and also everybody listening. I'm going to try and describe this, but it's... I know this is an auditory format, so I'll just do my best. You can post it, too. Yes, that's a great idea. So I will post an image of the comparison of what I... Or maybe I'll just post the Japanese Mm -hmm. kanji for everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in Arjava Sensei's book, This is Reiki, he has a lovely explanation of the kanji broken down into tiny bits, and it goes into more detail than just spiritual life force healing, which Mm -hmm. is what the kanji means, but Mm -hmm. that's like the universal blanket statement that you see on everybody's websites about mm. what they say that Reiki is. Mm-hmm. It's like the basic introductory right. piece. Yeah. But okay, so we know that the, the character of Reiki is divided into two parts, the ray and the key. So let's take the ray right now and pick this apart. Mm-hmm. So there's three parts inside the ray. There's that top overarching part and then there's um, the three boxes And then there's something else that I don't remember. But (laughs) this is going to be hard talking about this auditorily here. But um, the first part means rain or fertility, and it's blessings from heaven to earth. So it's that overarching, almost like an umbrella kind of Mm -hmm. stroke. Then um, 
The three squares underneath that represent the human body or the vessel for the soul, the mouth and conversation with people and also prayer. And then the third part of Rei on the bottom of the Rei character means Miko. And that in Japanese is a medium or a sorceress or a shaman who understands the voice of the gods. Mm -hmm. And in in Western interpretation of that, we would say that it's somebody who connects to their spiritual presence in their life. And the Japanese masters who teach this emphasize that when we practice Reiki, we are trying to become mediators of that sacredness that occurs when we get quiet and still and place our hands on somebody's body and there's some kind of energy flow Mm -hmm. that that person may or may not experience as sacred as well. Mm. Okay, so that's Rei. And then key, the bottom character, is divided into two parts. And that means um, the top part of it is stem or ether, meaning the vehicle for subtle matter. So like the, the etheric energy that travels down from the heavens and into us. And then the second part of that character means kome, which mean, in Japanese means rice. And if you think about rice, it's revered in Asian cultures because it's a staple food. Mm -hmm. And some people have equated the way that it is written as looking semi-symbolic of steam rising off of rice. And in Asian culture, that is the essence of nourishment and vitality and livelihood for families. Mm -hmm. So also it takes 88 um, days for rice to germinate in a rice paddy. And some people say that the kanji looks like the number 88. Mm. So when you put those two stroke sets together of the ether and the rice, it means energy. Mm. So we have the top part, ray, meaning fertility and this vessel of the soul and mediumship connecting to that spiritual source, so that life, soul life energy, and the bottom meaning spiritual force Mm. in essence. Oh, excuse me. Ray, in essence, means spiritual force, and key, in essence, means energy. But you know what's interesting? In my readings, in all my research that I've been doing, um, the term Reiki energy, mm-hmm. we hear people say, the Reiki energy, the Reiki energy, the Reiki energy. That's actually redundant, mm-hmm. and I never knew this before. Yeah, that makes sense. Reiki has the word energy, energy. inside it already. Mm-hmm. So when we say Reiki energy, we're saying Reiki energy energy, mm-hmm. which is tautology, the meaning meaning that it's the saying of the same thing twice mm. in different words. So we're being redundant as mm. people communicating. I'm saying colloquial we here, not yeah, just yeah, you and yeah. me. We as a community of Reiki people sharing what Reiki is with the larger community by saying the Reiki energy, we're saying the Reiki energy energy, which is redundancy. Mm. So I have committed to going back to all of my written literature, mm. and this is going to be a monumental task for me, <laughs> but I'd like to start changing that and editing that so it's technically correct. Yeah. There we go with my technical. Mm. That's part of my technical answer. <laughs> okay, so that's... that's. Yeah. Oh, and then there's one more piece of information that I find fascinating. In the the... Japanese lineage mm. that I learned. This is the Jikiden Reiki. purple, purple, yeah. purple folder. It's like radiates the it's color of this folder that she's holding up. <laughs> this is their course manual. Mm. And inside it, in this one section of the book, please forgive my sound of turning pages here, they have an interview with Usui. There's not a lot of, yeah, thank you. There's not a lot of written communication from him mm. about Reiki, but there's an, this is a transcription of what he was interviewed by a couple of other 
um, people in the Gakkai society. Um, and so this is one, one thing that he says. Um, is They ask, is it a spiritual healing method? And he says, it could be called a spiritual healing method, but it is mostly a physical treatment. Reiki practitioners radiate ki, which is we know to be energy, and light from all parts of their bodies, especially their eyes, their mouths, and hands. Therefore, staring at, blowing, or rubbing a problem area for a few minutes works instantly for minor ailments such as toothache, acute pain, stomach ache, neuralgia, bruises, cuts and burns, to name a few. The pains disappear immediately, as do swellings. Chronic illnesses, however, are not cured as easily as minor ailments. Nevertheless, although it takes a longer time and several treatments to cure chronic illnesses, even a single treatment will produce some positive effects. You may wonder how this phenomenon can be explained in terms of today's modern medicine. Well, truth is stranger than fiction. Seeing is believing. Once you see this with your own eyes, you will be convinced. Mm-hmm. Which I just love. Once you see it, that, he's even yeah, saying, like, exactly, that's you have to thinking. see it to believe it, yeah, folks. Yeah, like having people experience it is power, more powerful than say, saying what it is. Now, for people who don't know, you know, very basic, Reiki, who is Usui? Like, talk about a little bit, we can talk about the history a little bit, but just why is he important? So he is the lineage bearer, the founder, in 1922 when he was meditating on Mount Kurama. The Reiki energy was transferred into his body. There's some mythic folkloric stories about it being a shock to his system or a lightning bolt through his third eye region, but in, however it ended up getting transmitted into him, he carried that awareness of being able to heal with it into his life and then moved, went on to train and teach and heal and have clinics and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other yeah, story. No, but yeah. That's great. I, I love the idea of, I just love the picture of him kind of being in this, mountain stream and and just having this huge opening happening and you know just I wonder you know did his hands get warm the way that mine did that next day after I was attuned or mm-hmm. you know what was it that signaled it just to do like as an imaginative exercise you know like what how did he know was there a voice you know like was it a feeling what what was it and then coming up with the attunement process and everything else it's it just is a fascinating thing to me you know, to think about him in yeah. that experience. There's literature from the Japanese world mm-hmm. about Reiki that tells us that he didn't have formal, written-down yeah. structure to the attunement process. Mm-hmm. That has evolved over the years. Yeah, I believe and it, it. I mean, think about when you do a Google search for Reiki, let's just say, like, Reiki symbols. They're out there now. Yeah. And there's so many different symbols, and even within... Um, the Japanese system of Reiki that I was taught in, there's an understanding that the master symbol came after Usui's time. It was added afterwards, and yet it's still taught as original Japanese teaching. It's wow. fascinating. Yeah. But So people have been constructing meaning yes. and trying to make sense of what Reiki is all these years in their own ways. Everybody describes things in a way that makes sense to them, even if they've been taught by somebody who was the original creator of things. Mm. And it makes sense to me that different branches of Reiki, like, I'm just picking names out of a hat here, like Rainbow Reiki or Litarian Reiki or Shambhala Reiki. I don't even know what those are. I've just heard them out there. I'm not trying to say they're better than any other kind of Reiki Mm. or whatever, but um, 
you know, they have different constructs for how you place your hands and the language that's used to describe the process for quote-unquote healing or um, relaxing is different than, say, the Reiki that you and I learned or the... I mean, certainly I see the difference in my Western training and in my Japanese training. They're two different understandings of how to use the energy. You know, I'm finding as we talk about this that it's very interesting because I am super concerned about stepping on any toes. Like, I feel like I'm kind of walking on eggshells a little bit about kind of defining this and everything, and I feel like I don't want to offend anyone. Are you experiencing the same kind of feeling? I know what you mean, Mm -hmm. because when we talk about this together, you and I have a relationship together already, and so Mm -hmm. we're comfortable picking things apart and understanding that we're coming from a place of respect for each other Mm -hmm. and our viewpoints, but we also have this awareness that we're also inviting a larger audience to listen in and share their viewpoints. We, we invite people to dialogue with us through our blog and um, social media formats about all this. And we have to be careful as, I'm, t- I'm saying we in the colloquial Reiki people, we, uh, we have to be careful in talking about our understandings and our truths and our experiences in a way that are respectful of the fact that there are other people that have different experiences and different understandings and different truths. Mm-hmm. And you and I are, I mean, not to highlight ourselves and pat ourselves on the back, but I find us to be very evolved spiritual beings right. that come from a place of understanding that just because this is my truth, it doesn't mean that the person down the street mm-hmm. is wrong yeah. or vice versa, that right. they understand that their way is better. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know where I'm going with all that except no, to just I think say... That's true. Yeah. We, we are mindful of the fact that we understand that this is just a, a particular lens that you and I are fleshing out and that somebody listening to this podcast might have a completely different viewpoint. And we would certainly welcome hearing that. I mean, with grace and compassion and respect, as we are extending to others and saying, we know that there are people out there that may understand this very differently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't... It was funny, so in planning this conversation, I mentioned to you earlier, like it wasn't my top choice for the topic to talk about, but I feel like it also does need to be addressed, at least on some level. And I think that also the the nature of this conversation maybe even reveals more about Reiki than than even what we're saying, which is that it's 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 not easy to talk about, you sure. know, and that you, you can't, um, you can, I don't know, it's like, the blind people touching the elephant, right? Or, you know what I mean? Like, everybody feels a different part of the elephant, and then that, and then they all have a different idea of what an elephant looks like, right. you know? And right. I think that's right. really right. what, that's what Reiki is. <laughs> There's a lovely story called The Seven Blind Mice by Ed Young. It's a children's picture book, and it talks about exactly that, where oh, each really? different mouse feels a different part. And then on the seventh day, after they've all had a day to feel, they come together and make a bigger picture of it, and it becomes the elephant itself, oh, which is that's just cool. a lovely parable for I life itself. That. Yeah, that's a nice reminder, you know. So, for we, let's invite people listening to this podcast to go into the world of exploring Reiki and talking about Reiki and conversing about Reiki with others, understanding that they have a particular lens that they've learned from, or they come from, or their understanding that makes sense to them because that's their understanding of the world, maybe slightly different than somebody else, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying in the beginning, we don't have to have the technically correct, figured out, soup to nuts definition. I think you and I are really good at mucking around mm-hmm. in things mm-hmm. and letting the muck 
be the answer. It's not. It's okay to not have this tied up in a nice, neat bow. Yeah. I don't know if we ever will. It, also, there's if we're good, we won't because then we have space to evolve, right? Yeah. Like yeah, if you're true. Yeah. There's always room for learning mm-hmm. and and deepening of understanding. I have yeah. I just have a little parable in the master class that I was teaching over the weekend. One of the people that was in the class, we were talking about, the, you know, their master students now, and they're looking at all these big topics about how do you handle folks with skepticism, and what do you do when you get somebody who's never heard of it before, and how do you craft your message to them? And somebody so really lovingly, smartly, and it was really funny said, "Well, I think it's kind of like a." jerky thing to say what is reiki like come on my answer to you now is just google it so many people have definitions (laughs) out there on the internet just go and look up what somebody said reiki is and then come experience a session Mm -hmm. and i think there is a component of all of this that is so true like reiki just is healing energy from somebody's hands and it makes you feel better you either feel relaxed or you heal that's (laughs) what it is but for our conversation here, I think it's nice that we've sunk our teeth into it yeah. and we've gone a little bit deeper and we've really tried to be mindful about pulling those deeper threads mm-hmm. apart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had some prepared questions for okay. you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah, no. Um So what do you think, so it's, I just like asking you questions, like I, I don't know, I feel like I'm putting you on the spot a lot. That's okay. I don't mind. It's fine. Um, what do you? What do? You, what is it that makes Reiki different? I have my own opinion about this, but what do you think it is that makes Reiki different from other energy work? Well, I have not. To be honest with you, I have not experienced mm. a whole lot of other energy work. Yeah. When I found Reiki in my life, I had experienced massage before and flower essences before that changed my emotional state, but I had not experienced anything like Qigong or, um, oh gosh, now I can't even think of any other energy manipulation modalities out there. But on a rational level of understanding, sometimes people said that when they practiced other energy modalities to help quote-unquote heal or balance or relax people, they had to use their own energy Mm -hmm. to do that. And so I'm just going off of hearsay by having that understanding of this. But Reiki, for me, I understand Reiki does not deplete my own energy field. Mm -hmm. It has somehow been out there in the universe as prana or chi or ki or ti, however you want to refer to it. And I'm accessing it and letting it flow through my body to then send out through my hands or my eyes or Mm -hmm. my breath. And... I guess this is a parable that I'll share to illustrate my point. At the end of a day of giving Reiki sessions at the office all day long, say like five sessions in a row or however many sessions I've done in a row, I don't feel tired. I I go home not feeling exhausted and drained. I go home feeling, I mean, sure, I'm mentally tired because it's late in the day and I'm an early riser and I've got a young child at home and I'm busy. So, of course, I feel like it's winding down time in my day. But on on a an energy level, I don't feel exhausted or depleted in any way. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've heard that too. I mean, since you were my teacher, I feel like, I loved what you said when it was like, um, you know, it's like a radio frequency, like you have the radio and different energy systems are on different channels and you just tune the channel to Reiki. And I thought that was a really interesting, good analogy. Um, but, and then for me also, I think you know, the, the thing that 
that I've heard because I do I have other energy work type things that I've done that I've developed on my own like just through meditating like finding other ways to express compassion is the way I like to think of it um, but I don't know any like particular other modalities of practice um, I've experienced other ones and I don't know it wasn't the same as Reiki Reiki is so warm and inviting and it invites you to kind of unfurl under its not pressure, but in its presence, I guess. Whereas other ones, it, the experience that I had was a little invasive and not very, um, it wasn't like an opening so much, you know, but that's mm. my limited, very limited experience. Mm. Um, but um, I think it's interesting because you hear people say that, you know, Reiki doesn't need anybody to direct it and that it knows where to go. And I like that idea, but I can't say that other energy modalities aren't that way. Um, but I have, I do have to say that I find myself sometimes definitely trying to direct Reiki, um, and getting and, and getting involved that way, and that has to do with intuition and stuff um, as well. So we don't have to talk about that. But I think that's an interesting thing, like um, letting Reiki flow where it wants to versus you know having the ego get involved in a Reiki <laughs> session. That's kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> I know what you mean. I think, yeah, I think that is a conversation that we can flush, flush out. There's a lot around the way we describe and experience with our clients mm. after the session is over that can either be ego-driven and it can present like the practitioner has healed the yeah. person laying on the table, or we can present it like... There was just this shared experience between two people who got calm and quiet for a little while, and each person can come away from it with a unique point of view, so that, and both are valid. Okay, so you just totally brought up this whole other thing about what is Reiki for me. If, I think we have time, I hope. Of course. Okay, good. So, and like, don't you just, let's talk about what we love about Reiki, because isn't that what is important? And then maybe that's why this conversation has felt so, like, big. Yeah, but also, like, for me, like, it just feels like, oh, should I say this, should I should, shouldn't, and it's like, well, I'm not saying what I love about Reiki, that's the problem, but, like, it's like a meditation, and I, I love that, and it's so much about being present, and both giving it and experiencing it, that is the, it's like this common experience of presence, and the thing I really love about Reiki and massage and the things that I do but especially Reiki, is its ability to help you, like, reframe your relationship to your body. And, like, how, you know, like, having having someone put their, just rest their hands on your calf muscle. And you start thinking about your calf muscle or you start feeling that energy. And then all of a sudden this memory just comes up out of thin air that you had associated with your calf muscle and then it and then you let it go and like I remember my first Reiki treatment was with you it was a crystal treatment and um and I just sobbed and sobbed because there was so much that was being unsurfaced like you know like coming up and digging out and letting go and it was just this this shedding of all of these not just not just energy but because I mean energy takes all these forms in, in the form of thoughts for me and it was so massive it was just this massive kind of letting go for me and of course I that was when I knew like I have to I have to do this you know <laughs> like I have to learn how to do this and do this for other people because it's like the it's the it's a way to love people without words which is so much purer you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you love about it? What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, it invites me to a place of calmness and stillness, much like my meditation practice in my life, much like my gratitude practice mm-hmm. in my life. I'm, I'm seeing it so... Um, well, since having a family, I talked about this last time in our last podcast episode, but I also see it as being very medically balancing. Mm-hmm. It's wellness care in my family now. We use it for boo-boos and hurt feelings and cuts and scrapes and tiny little things. And our son now says, you know, for example, this morning, this is a perfect example of how this is used in my family. He was running through the kitchen and he bumped into the counter and he said to me, Ow, Mommy, I just bumped into the, the counter. I will give Reiki now. And he started rubbing his arm and I thought, Okay, this kid gets it. Yeah. It's, it this is really amazing. He's, awesome. he's tuning into that essence of getting still and focused and mm-hmm. calm and quiet for his body mm-hmm. and helping himself into a place or a state of wellness. Right. I also think of it like a, a blanket, a warm blanket mm-hmm. of love that surrounds me when I'm giving to myself, but I also feel that understanding or that presence when I'm giving to other people. Yeah. And I, I know that it's not me doing the giving. It's the Reiki that's flowing through me as the conduit and the vessel. Of course, of course. yes. But it, it feels like a sacred pause Mm. it feels like a reconnection with authentic self it feels like a touching base and a groundedness within an opening Mm -hmm. that is occurring at the same time Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that it's not always gentle warm and loving because a lot of times it is Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be painful well, I got sick after that first session. I don't know if you remember that. I think I mm-hmm. emailed you, but I def I got a I got a cold, and I think I might have even had a fever and everything. I mean, you know, the classic healing crisis right. thing. But right. I knew to expect that. But definitely, there is a little bit of disruption that can right. happen. Right. Yeah. Well, there's another whole aspect of this that I I would love to talk about at some mm-hmm. point. Not today, because we have other things we want to discuss. But we should probably have a discussion about the biosen and how it presents in people's mm-hmm. lives when they receive. Mm-hmm. We'll just yeah, I'll write it down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Remember, everyone, remind us, yeah. please, listeners, that we want to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. Something that's been on my mind that as we've been talking, I hope yeah. it's okay that I'm saying this. But please, I think we would like to invite people to share with us their ideas about what Reiki Absolutely, is. Absolutely, yeah. So share with yes. us on our websites in whatever format we pr- both present. Mm-hmm. We present differently on our websites, but find our literature about this particular podcast, and in our, our comment sections. Leave us your thoughts about what Reiki means to you and what it is in your life. Yeah. And and we invite you to do it through a place of respect for differences of opinion. Yeah. You know, we're I, not on soapboxes. We're not trying to prove or disprove. Mm-hmm. And there will certainly be understandings of what Reiki is um, to folks that when you hear it, you, you, every fiber of your being is going to say, no, thank you. But mm-hmm. we invite you to keep your no thank yous to yourself mm-hmm. and just listen to other people's interpretations. Yeah. There was a, um, this reminds me, there's a social media platform that I have been exploring recently for my work where a woman who channels angels also has the angelic presence flow through her Reiki practice. And that is not something that I identify with at all. So I don't resonate with her message. But I resonate with the fact that she is speaking her truth Mm. and she's sharing love and grace with the universe in her way. And I appreciated, I never actively participated in discussing her work or, um, giving her any feedback on her work or even like really reading it but I just I welcomed her presence and her version and her lens of this is her Reiki experience but 
there were a lot of other people on the social media platform that didn't understand that, mm-hmm. and she was driven out of the community, and she had to apologize, or she felt the need to apologize because she thought she offended people about Reiki, and she took her messages about Reiki and angels elsewhere. Yeah. And, you know, so be it. Now she's on a new path, and she's in a place that can understand her more. But I was the larger experience that I took away from that was, what a shame that we as Reiki people couldn't yeah. embrace each other's differences right. and loving compassion for each other and say, oh, here's a member of our community that has an alternative viewpoint. Yeah. Wonderful for her. I don't necessarily vibe with it, but the Reiki flows through everybody's yeah. life in a different way. And we welcome that difference, that perspective, yeah. that uniqueness. This, and I mean, this is, I want to have this conversation with you about social media, and we will not have it today. <laughs> but I won't, like, if people put, I cannot, I do not abide nasty comments in witch hunting or anything of that form. Like, if someone commented, I definitely mediate my comments and everything else because oh, sure, it's you just have to. so, it's just yeah. too much to yeah, not. No, no, we have to. Like, we can be a supportive force for each other, or we can tear each other down and end up with what you know what I mean like it's just I hate stories like that because it hurts me personally because I could be that angelic Reiki person you know what I mean like we could all be that person that doesn't see things the way a group of people does that doesn't mean that they should be treated as the outcast or as a bad person even though they challenge your ideas welcome that and say oh, this is challenging my ideas. What is it about me that I am upset about this person practicing this way? But again, this is a conversation for another yeah, time. another thread for us to pick apart. Absolutely. Well, maybe we should conclude this part of our Absolutely. conversation <laughs> by saying, fill in the blank, Reiki to me is... Okay, Reiki to me is um, perfect. And Reiki to me is love. So now we're to our what are you thinking about segment. Um, and I just, even though this is the second one, I know this segment will always be a struggle for me as far as what to say I'm thinking about because I'm always thinking about a million and one things. So yeah. I just I just have to think. I'm just going to take a breath. Everybody just take a breath with me. <sighs> okay. The decision has been made. <laughs> um so I, and, and I said this in the last podcast, every one of these is going to be spurred by a book that I'm reading, I'm sure. Um, so right now I am reading Make Me One With Everything um, by Surya, Lama Surya Das. Um, he, this is a newly published book, and um, I, I've read, he's written a lot. He's very prolific, prolific yes. <laughs> Um, and I have read a book of, um, like, Tibetan stories by him that I really enjoyed, um, but I haven't read much else. And then I saw this article um, on Twitter, and it, the, the headline was, We're Meditating All Wrong. And, of course, I had to read that um, because I have a lot of thoughts about social media. Again, another conversation, but, but about how social media is using mindfulness and meditation in a way that is very much the opposite, I think, of the intention. And and it turns out Mr. Lama Surya Das 
agrees with me. And so reading this article um, really made me want to read this book. Um, I'm not that far into it, but one of the things that he's talked about is um, Tonglen meditation. Um, and I used to do Tonglen, and then I stopped at, for a while because I thought, this isn't right. And then, and now I started up again, and I wanted to talk about that experience for me. Um, so Tonglen, for those who don't know, is a Tibetan form of meditation. Um, it's also known as giving and taking. And what you do um, is you breathe in, and when you breathe in, you imagine, um, you know, something that might be troubling you or someone who's having a very hard time, um, and you breathe in their suffering, basically. And then before you breathe out, you transform that suffering, and then you imagine breathing out love and healing towards that person. Um, the reason I stopped doing it is because it seemed like a crazy idea to me. I just thought, why am I breathing in suffering? You know, being an energy person, don't you want to take in only healing? And so it really, it, I had a really hard time with that. It seems very, very counterintuitive. Um, but through practicing it now, I'm finding that it's a way to kind of move energy and to, you take it in and then you, and, it, and it's, it's like, but I have to parse this out because in the process of breathing in the suffering, I've been able to really experience how that suffering feels and really like get up close and personal with it. And that's been really interesting to me because I'll breathe in, you know, and I do it a lot for myself. I'll breathe in my own suffering. Um, like, so I'm having a bad day and I'm like really angry. So I breathe in my anger and then I find it, it's like, I find it associated with a part of my body. So like, I'll feel it like coming out of my chest and going into me, you know, and it's, and it's so interesting because you get like the texture of the suffering and the energy of it and it just all becomes so apparent and you're not running away from it and then you transform it and you breathe it out and it does really lighten that load mm -hmm. um and it but it also I feel like there's like because there's there's the idea of like not taking on negative things in the energy world but then there's also the idea of, of, of being fine with negative things and moving them do you know what I mean like letting them move through you and that's more where I am right now with my energy existence is like letting those things move through you like being the parent of a toddler you see how a toddler doesn't hold back their emotions they completely express them it takes anywhere from 30 seconds to five minutes and then it's <laughs> over you know and it's like and it's it's like and like I feel like Tonglen is kind of like that practice of just being completely present with it allowing it to exist mm -hmm. um and then, and then moving on. If you can, if you can't, you can't. But I've just been really enjoying it so much. So mm -hmm. that's what I've been thinking about. That's lovely. Okay, so my what are you thinking about is about His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. It was his birthday on July 6th. And I came across on social media a video of him. It's funny, social media mm -hmm. is like a link for us today. Um, he turned 80 this year. He was born in 1935. And I will put a link to the video in our notes, our liner notes at the end of this, on our websites or wherever we put it. Journalist Anne Curry asked him on this landmark 80th birthday, what would you like to say to the social media world, mm. especially to the young people? And it's only a four-minute video, so I encourage people to watch it. It's mm. so sweet, and, and so the essence of his words are so pure. Um, I'm going to encapsulate just a couple of quotes that I'm, I have translated into my own lingo, mm. and I'll 
share them here. Um, he said that the best birthday gift for him at his birthday is for people to pay more attention to their own mind and what their own emotions are saying. And he said, um, I want to share with my brothers and sisters, particularly those younger brothers and sisters, now please pay attention, some attention to your inner value so that your life can be more peaceful and a more happy life. And he went on to say, if we pay more attention to our inner values, then no matter what sort of situations surround us, we can have a peaceful mind. And in order to achieve healthy body, we need to achieve healthy mind. And I just thought that was a nice reminder that the world can be in chaos all around us. And if we are stable and centered and grounded within ourselves, then it doesn't matter how we react. We can always radiate love and peace and calmness and compassion. And at the very end, you have to watch till the very end because it was so sweet the way he ended his video. He said, this is the best gift of my birthday if we can all practice centeredness and reminding ourselves about being in our own good spaces. And then he said, if on the other hand you express happy birthday but your own mental state is a lot of frustration and a lot of anger, then that is the worst kind of <laughs> gift for happy birthday. And I just love that. It's so true. It made me think about all the times in our lives where people are not authentic in what they say. You know, the person in the checkout line who's harried and rushed and in a bad mood, and they say, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. But they don't mean, excuse me, I'm sorry. They mean, get the heck out of my way because I'm mad and I'm in a rush. <laughs> That's not mindfulness. That's not, that is not authentic centeredness in, in their true being. Really, they should be saying... I'm really mad yeah. <laughs> and just letting it be known like okay so we all get mad sometimes no big deal but say it state it be obvious about it I'm really mad and then we can all clear the decks for you and give you space rather than putting on the mask of pardon me excuse me I don't know I'm going down a tangent road here that I don't need to go down but <laughs> is I this just, based on an experience you recently no, had? no 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 <laughs> just general no just general societal yeah the way our society has norms about being in relationship with each other in public now like strangers interacting with strangers when we say to somebody on the street hello or you know sometimes we don't even acknowledge each other at all or when we hold open the door for somebody and we say you know excuse you or excuse me or whatever it is that people say like I feel like all of it is done based on convention but people are doing it through rote they're not I really do, taking I'm the totally time that. to I am so guilty of that but <laughs> I know well I do I think it's an intro I mean this is a big topic too I feel like but um I do, like, I think being polite is so, so important. But I also think that there is an element of being vulnerable and being like, and I do that too. Like, I, like if I'm having a hard time, I can see myself at the shopping counter. I'd be like, oh, my God, like, this day is so crazy. And I hate it when the person on the other side just looks at me and, like, they're like, no, no sympathy, no empathy. Like, that's so hard. So, like, I do try to do that too. But, um, yeah, not, people not saying hi on the street is like... I have family who live in the country, and they say hi and wave and talk to people at length all the time, and then they come to visit me here in the suburbs of Boston, and it's so strange to them that people walk by each other without acknowledging each other's existence. Mm. It's just a different... I, and on the playground, that's like, mm. that drives me a little nuts, like, because I'm like, we're both parents of kids, we we're both going through probably similar things, I imagine, but I'll pretend you don't exist if that's what you need to get through the day. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that sounds well, really nice. So I'm definitely going to watch that video. Oh, please do. Yeah. yeah. It's really sweet.
now we're going to do our closing meditation. Um, we're we're going to practice Tonglen. Um, I'll do my best to lead us through this. I like to start off every meditation, so just get comfortable. It's not going to be a long meditation, but it's going to be a good one. So um, get comfortable. Put your feet on the ground if you can, or sit down. Just feel really um, feel your connection to the earth for just a minute. And then we're just going to take three nice deep breaths. So breathe in and hold it if you can. And then breathe out. And again, breathing in. Holding. And releasing. And the last time, breathe in, hold, and let go. Now, if there's something that's bothering you physically or emotionally, or if there's someone else that you can think of that is going through a rough time who you're concerned about, take a moment to just connect with that that experience, that, that kind of suffering. And then what we're going to do is we're going to just breathe it in and just imagine it coming into your body. It can be like dark and hot and just breathe that in and experience the quality of that. And then hold it for just a second and transform that into love and compassion and lightness. And as you exhale, just send that love to the part of yourself that's hurting or the person that's hurting in your life. And we're going to breathe in again. That dark, hot suffering. And breathe out the light, cool love. One more time. Breathing in the suffering. Transforming it. And breathing out the light the cool, the loving. And just take another moment to be with your breath, feeling where you are right now, allowing whatever is there existing to be. There's nothing you need to do, nowhere to be but here in the moment. And when you're ready, just give your toes and fingers a wiggle and open your eyes and feel refreshed to know that we had that experience with you. And thank you very much for it. That was lovely. Okay. I felt a shift in whatever what I was thinking about. Oh, mm -hmm. so it was an easing of the, the redness or the fire. Mm. Lovely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So our time with everybody has come to an end today. We've had a lot of fun mucking around in our Reiki insights here and our energy insights, hence the name of our podcast. Mm. And as always, it is an absolute pleasure to converse with you, my friend Kathy. Thank you. Same here. Yeah. Really, these, these are really just sweet conversations we've been mm. having. We've been having them for years for people who don't know us. Yeah. And we finally decided to put them to recording and share them out with the world. For yeah. some reason, the time is now. And we are grateful to all of you who have listened to what we had to say today. And like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we invite you to share your thoughts with us in our 
forums and our comments on our, our websites, and we want to be in dialogue with you all about all the stuff that we're thinking about. So go forward into your days having um, wellness and health and joy and beauty, and thank you. Thank you. Bye.